In this week's update, US economic data and the market defy recession expectations. Bifurcated market wears best and gold still stuck, but... My name is Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only. And please remember to like and subscribe to the video. All right, quick market perspective. Um, the, the big players, the really big players, are clearly betting that interest rates are either at peak or close to a peak. Um, you've just got to look at, uh, at the way that fund managers uh, have increased their bond holdings significantly in recent times. And the only logical reason that you would do that as if you thought that uh, that bond yields were peaking, which means bond prices are near a major low. So that's a pretty big bet in the face of the economic data. But as always, at turning major turning points in the market, um, everything points to a continuation of what we have, and the news is probably at its worst. So it's not surprising that uh, that we're seeing some of these very significant contrarian signals. So it remains to be seen whether um, whether these fund managers are right. Um, they're, they're right more often than they're not. That's what they get paid to do. So that'll be an interesting watch over the next um, three months or so. Uh, but for now, look, the US company sales are still growing and, um, and, they're, and they're largely maintaining their margins. And that's been very unexpected, I think, for probably everybody. Every, everyone's been talking about the, the really high US margins for um, probably 18 months now and how they weren't really sustainable at that level. But it turns out that they have been. So that's a bit of a head scratcher. Um, and so hence, share prices have remained strong. And that will be the case until... Um, something changes and um, and we start to see um, sales or margins being eroded and therefore stock prices will then be at risk. And of course, you get this, this double leverage effect where when the market changes that not only do you get a reduction in price because the profits are falling, but you also get a reduction in the PE multiple as well. And so you get this double banger effect that can move prices to the downside quite strongly. Um, avoiding a recession in America is going to be very tough to do. But then again, you know, people have been saying that for the best part of 12 months and the bond market has been screaming a recession for the best part of 12 months. So um, it's confounding um, conventional thinking at the moment. To me, we can control or we try to control what we can and just don't worry about the rest. And so for me, I've just been really focusing almost totally on the areas, the mega trend areas where I believe that that um, revenues and margins and net profits are going to be largely unaffected by inflationary forces, by interest rates or by whatever other geopolitical events might be going on. And, and that's largely been the energy transition theme and also technology, particularly around artificial intelligence. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't get stock price volatility because you do. Um, and these days, you know, we tend to see a lot of very sharp moves. Um, but if you focus on those areas that are going to continue to grow strongly over time, then, yeah, it might get a bit choppy and a bit rough over periods of three or six months. But... Eventually, the trends get back in, uh, into gear again, 
And we've seen that very graphically with lithium since uh, late last year, where lithium got completely de derailed for a, uh, a period, but um, has certainly bounced back quite strongly. American stocks ended up rising 2.3% across the week. Um, the, the jobs data was pretty inconsistent. We got a poor jobs report on Thursday, or poor in terms of it was a very strong jobs report, but poor in the sense that it created the, the expectation then that the Fed would have to raise rates more. But then that was got completely um, reversed with another um, piece of jobs data information on Friday. So um, the market sort of cheered that and went up, went down Thursday and up Friday. When you look at the advanced decline line on, um, <clears throat> on a lot of stocks and on the S&P, it is supporting a quite positive story because what we're seeing is a lot of sell-offs on the open and then trading higher by the close. So it seems like we're getting a lot of gaps down and then stocks trade upwards. They're accumulated by, by the bigger players during the day. And we saw, um, we saw a lot of that, um, <coughs> bigger pardon, during um, the early part of, um, of 2020. And um, and eventually, you know, 2020 turned out, and 2021 turned out to be um, a very good year. The US dollar index was lower, down to uh, down to 102.2, down about half a cent. The 10-year yield bounced up above 4%. Um, so that's that's sort of really uh, contrary to um, you know to to what some of the big fund managers are doing in terms of distinctly increasing their bond holdings. Um, but then again, you know, they don't just load in on, on one day. It's an accumulation process. The VIX is kicked up a little bit, um, but still is overall uh, pretty modest at, uh, at under 15. And the 10-year, two-year spread uh, came off a little bit. It was um, more than 1% negative last week, but dropped a little bit um, during the week. All right, so let's look at some, sorry. Um, there we go, that's what I was after. Um, all right, let's look at some charts now. This is the uh, the NASDAQ. We've come up now to a triple top. And so we got a bit of a pullback, pullback to the 20 day moving average. You know, by and large, this is this is not um, contacted the 50 day moving average since March. It's tracked either the 20 or the eight day. So this has been a very strong trend in the NASDAQ. Um, formed a triple top, pulled back. We've now got, I guess you could call this a quadruple top. And um, so the jury's out as to where we go from here. So we're, we're looking for either a break of this low here at around uh, 14,700, or a break to the upside of this quadruple top now at about 15,250. So the NASDAQ at, uh, at a key point. Uh, if we go to the Russell 2000, uh, IWM is the ETF that tracks that. We were trading in a range. We then popped out of that range and have now formed a higher range uh, between uh, 180 and, uh, and 189. And we're sitting right in the middle of that range. So you've, you know, I mean, you've got to say that it's now trading more positively because the price is now back above all the moving averages 
um, with the exception of, uh, of the eight-day moving average. It's above everything else. And, um, you know, we've got the 50-day uh, moving average is, um, is turning up now as well. So that's all quite uh, positive in small cap land in America. If you look at the S&P, it's continuing to trade higher. Um, it's tracking above the, uh, the 20 days. So that's quite a strong trend and we have broken out. So we, we broke out, then we retraced, broke out here, retraced, retested the breakout, which is um, perfectly normal market behavior. And then we've started to advance again. Let's look at where the intra-market money flows are going. The NASDAQ versus the S&P, it's just sort of stalled a little bit. They're in equilibrium uh, over the last few weeks. Similarly with the semiconductors versus the S&P, we've just found a point of equilibrium between those two markets. And if we go in and look at the, the um, sector comparisons or sector ratios, then this is the last quarter. We can see energy has been at the bottom and we've got all the, the, all the more aggressive uh, discretionary uh, sectors at the top, uh, discretionary technology and communication services. Well, let's just see what's been happening over the last, say, couple of weeks. And you can see that, uh, and I'm not really f um, focusing too much attention on, um, on consumer discretionary XLY because of the impact of particularly Tesla on that. So to me, that's not a reflection of what's happening in the consumer discretionary part of America. Um, so in the very recent two weeks, the leaders have been finance, energy bouncing back quite strongly, um, and also communication services and technology. Uh, and at the bottom, we've got healthcare and staples. So it's a very strange market um, leading into a supposed recession. So this is not this is not screaming what the bond market uh, is. So it's a very confusing picture in America. That's for sure. Uh, the U.S. dollar <coughs> turned down on uh, on Friday and overall down slightly for the week. That managed to <coughs> push the Australian dollar up a little bit. We're still just hanging around the low 66s at the moment. So Aussie stocks 6613 is where we finished. Our market gave up 2.25% at the index level across the week. But one would think that um, that Monday is likely to be uh, fairly positive, particularly as commodities uh, did well in, uh, in America, commodity stocks. This marked the worst two weeks of, of the year for the ASX 200. It really did cop a, a fair smashing on Thursday and Friday. And also bond yields um, spiked locally as well. Turning out of precious metals, uh, gold was up $7 to $19.27. But as I said at the start, it's, it's really a bit stuck at the moment. But gee, the, when you look at what are the best conditions for the gold sector to outperform, it's when rates are peaking, when real yields are negative, and there is fear of turmoil. And you'd have to say there's a pretty good odds around all three of those. You know, real yields being uh, nominal yields minus inflation, and there's a there's a pretty good chance, depending on what stats you use, that real yields are negative. We've certainly got fear of financial turmoil. 
and geopolitical turmoil, and it would appear that rates, are, if they haven't peaked, they're fairly close to it. So these should be very good conditions for gold, but the gold price is, uh, is frankly stuck, and gold stocks are, uh, are not looking too much better. We were steady in Australian dollar terms at um, the low 2900s. As I've been saying for well over a year, probably closer to two years, for me, the best risk adjusted uh, preference is for developers that have got a real X factor, because then you can get an uplift in the share price and the gold price doesn't have to do anything. And, you know, that's what I like to do just to reduce risk as much as possible, control what we can control and, uh, and just forget the rest. So let's take a look at the gold market. So there's gold on a daily basis. Um, I think there's a problem with the data in, um, in Optima because to my, the best of my knowledge, we certainly did not spike to a high of 2023. So I think just ignore that huge big um, spike in, um, in the gold price. Uh, if we look at, uh, at silver, we didn't see silver do anything like that. So I think that's just uh, an incorrect, it's probably an incorrect high. In the uh, in the data and uh, and similarly, I think you can take out that that big um, that big spike on the weekly chart as well. If we look at um, GDXJ as a proxy for what global um, mid to large cap stocks are doing, gold stocks are doing, we've been in downtrend um, since a peak in uh, in mid April, but really we're at the same level that we were at. In August of last year so we're almost 12 months and global gold stock indices have, have really done nothing it's been um, and, and that's why I've focused so much on um, advanced developers or developers with a real X factor and that certainly has paid dividends that's for sure turning to other commodities copper was at 375 nickel did kick back up a bit to $9.33 now uh, chili copper chili being the largest copper um, producer and exporter their output was down 4.7% uh, for the first five months of this year compared to the first five months of, of 2022 um, and this is at a time when demand is set to really start to escalate dramatically for the rest of the decade it may not happen just yet it might be you know another 12 months away before that really starts to kick in but when you've got the world's largest copper producer who's looking at shooting themselves in the foot by nationalizing the industry and their output is already down um, then you know it's really hard to see uh, a supply surplus emerging um, I just don't think it's going to happen. And Bill Beeman, who's you know probably one of the top handful of most respected uh, and most successful miners in Australia, uh, says that copper is a 2024-25 and beyond story. And I think that's certainly true. It it may come to come home uh, even a little sooner than that, particularly when we see how things unfold in Chile. If we look at uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude, it did kick up about three dollars uh, on the week to seventy-three seventy. Uh, stocks were down, and the energy sector was down in America, but finished um, finished strongly on Friday with the gold with the oil price kicking up, 
and uh, and stocks managed to finish flat for the week. Just touch on uh, a bit of lithium news, just on the point of, you know, is this resurgence in, in uh, lithium, is it real or is it just um, a bit of hype? Um, spot chemical prices have been uh, edging up a little further. They're holding in the, the sort of the mid 40,000 US dollars on a um, CIF basis in Asia, and that's according to Benchmark Minerals. Uh, when you stand back and you look at there's just a tsunami of mergers and acquisitions happening, probably a lot, lot more in the pipeline. Uh, we've got companies, larger companies making cornerstone investments in, um, in multiple uh, smaller players. We've got off-take deals being done left, right and centre. And we've got some companies that are even now making a shift of direction. We've seen FMG now uh, wanting to move into lithium and also DVP um, has made an acquisition of essential minerals in lithium. So these companies that were committed very much to other other commodities um, are now, um, you know, sniffing the, the air currents and, and making a move into lithium as well. So it's pretty hard to say that this is this is just hype and it's not sustainable. Um, and if that turns out to be the case, then there's an awful lot of very, very smart people that are going to be very expensively wrong. So I think I, I always, my fallback position when there is uncertainty about the future is to look at what people do, look at what the smartest people do rather than what they're saying. And, you know, the smartest people on the planet in the lithium space are, uh, are saying and doing very positive things. So that's why I, I remain extremely bullish uh, on lithium. But you've still got to have a plan. You've still got to be disciplined to your plan. You've still got to manage risk well, because at the end of the day, the thing that derails most investors is their execution is just really bad. And it's really bad because they set themselves up to fail um, psychologically. Their psychology can't deal with the tasks that they set themselves. And so it's just so critical to get that part right at the start and make it easy on your psychology. And that's what I spend a um, significant amount of time with, uh, particularly in the Insiders Club, to helping members get that, get that structure and get, get a, a, um, a plan that is suitable for their psychology. This is a spot copper chart, not much movement, similarly with nickel. So wrapping it up, um, I'm just going to repeat what I said last week because I, I just think it's, it's a really appropriate message. It's a really important message. The second half of this year is not going to be easy. Uh, it really isn't. And we're going to see, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see well over half the market, half the stocks on the market decline or just go sideways and do nothing. Um, so if that, you know, that is my base expectation for the market. I also think the volatility will be high. There are just too many cross currents for that not to be the case. So clarity around the process that you're going to use and the disciplined execution of it is absolutely critical. Control what we can control, just forget the rest, just noise, move on. Uh, there's no point in worrying about it because uh, all it can do is basically mess up your head. Portfolio Analyst last week, it was um, the first Wednesday of the month. We do we take stock of what happened in, in June, the analysis that were done, some of the recommendations that were made and see how they worked out and, and what lessons we can learn from that. That's always a very valuable session. And in particular, we looked at planning 
your portfolio composition. What do you want your portfolio to look like in advance? Um, and again, just such an important um, step that you can, can take in controlling your ultimate outcome. For more information on the website, there's my email address, and I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.